Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Quickly, if you would, take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 40. It should be up on our side screens. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. We'll look at that. But before I get into that, I'm going to read something else. When I was, uh, a book stuck out to me. This past Monday, I walked into my office, and again, y'all know, I was, I'm actually supposed to be preaching on the holy habit of fasting tonight, but it was a book that stuck out on my shelf, and I pulled, I pulled it out, and the book just simply said glory on it, and it stuck out to me, and I've always prayed, Lord, show me your glory without really fully knowing. It's kind of a broad, uh, it's a broad, different amount of uh, definitions that go along with the glory of the Lord, and I'm not going to explore all those but one. Um, and when I always say, Lord, show me your glory, or God, pour out your glory, I'll give you the definition for what I'm referring to, but it's the invasion of God's reality into the human sphere. It's his reality. It's his world that begins to break through into our world. And I believe that as Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14, it says that the Earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And if the glory of the Lord is destined to fill this entire earth, I believe that it's going to be filled through an Isaiah 60 people. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The way that the glory of the Lord begins to spread across the earth is the people of God that the glory of the Lord rests upon. That's how it's going to fill the earth. And so if we're going to be that people, and I believe that we're destined for the glory of the Lord to be poured out, I believe that we are in the last days. I believe that culture is is a testament. I don't want to get too far down to this subject because I have my my opinions about everything that's happening, Uh, all the stuff from government to local government to everything that's happening around us. Call me what you will, but I, I have my opinions about everything, all that thing, but I believe that it's all pointing back to one thing is that Jesus is getting ready to return and his, his return is gonna be glorious. Don't get so caught up in what's happening around you that you don't get your eyes on Jesus and see the signs of the times. I'm just telling you, it's all good. You need to be informed. I'm all for it. But let us be locked eyes with Jesus and be more passionate about him than we are about anything that's happening around us. Jesus came in a, in a culture where, where it was 
It was, it was a religious upheaval. It was a political upheaval. There was, there was people probably lining the, the, the road coming into Jerusalem that was being crucified. Uh, he wasn't the first one to be crucified. Crucifixion was something that the Romans did and knew very well. So he wasn't the first one. So he saw death. He saw sickness. He saw the camp of lepers as he was coming back in and out of Jerusalem. So he was acquainted with this. But in a time like that, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. And I only what? Say what I hear my father saying. I want us to be attuned. I'm warning you, be attuned to what the Lord is saying in this season. Listen to thus saith the Lord to your own home, for my family, for my children. I've got to hear God for myself. What is the Lord saying to you in this season? And I believe when I asked this question, I couldn't get one more. The word that I couldn't shake was glory. God says that I want you to prepare them for the glory. And I'm thinking, God, I've never even experienced it. Just glimpses here and there when the power of God would hit me and I would just be laid out for a period of time or when the, the spirit of the Lord would be so strong or you weep or you just feel the glory and it's weighty, it's powerful. It's when his world breaks through the veil between that separates ours and his and his glory. You just feel like, God, if you don't, with, if you don't stay your hand, I couldn't take another measure of your presence that's the glory of the Lord. And glory is used in scripture in the Bible in this sense to describe the action of God whereby he takes of his glory, which is eternally existent in heaven, and pushes through the veil that separates the natural and, and spiritual realities and reveals within the parameters of our time and space his splendor and magnificent beauty. That's, that's, that's who he is. And as the scripture says here in, in Isaiah chapter 40, I want to see us prepared. Maybe we're forerunners for what God's getting ready to release. You know, a forerunner can get lonely because you're running ahead. You're pioneering a trail at times. And some of you that have this on your life, you felt it. You've, you felt like you're lonely at times. You've been pursuing God and you've been going after him with everything you, you've got. You look around and it looks like nobody has any zeal. Nobody has any passion. Nobody has a desire for even reading their Bible. But you're just like, oh, I'm so tired. God, I love your presence, but I wanna bring people with me. And that's a pine, that's, that, that is a forerunner. But you go ahead to prepare the way. You're blazing a trail and a path and a highway for someone to follow behind. You're clearing out. You're clear-cutting a trail for when your children come behind you and when your friends come behind you. That the glory of the Lord begins to fall, then people can say, I, not even that you need praise, because one thing I pray often is, God, I don't want to be famous among men. I want to be famous before the throne. I want to be faithful at your throne. I want to be famous. How do I, how do I make your name famous, Jesus? And I believe that Jesus is looking for forerunners for his glory to visit, to come, not just visit, but to habituate the earth, to fill the earth. Isaiah chapter 40, speaking of John the Baptist, but it even goes a step further beyond John the Baptist, and I believe it speaks to our generation, says here, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. And next week, I'm gonna, I'll break this down and I'll talk about everything that this is referring to. Hear me when I say this tonight. I'm preaching on preparing for the glory. We have to prepare for the glory. Don't let this message come in one ear and out the other. It's gonna be podcasted, so it'll be available for those that can't, that's not able to be here. But we have to prepare for the glory of the Lord. 
He goes on to say that every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked places made straight and the rough places smooth. Now listen to this part. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. But before it can be revealed, it says all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Before the glory of the Lord can be revealed, you have to become a voice of one. Get ready because this is gonna be a little bit weighty. The voice of one. And some of you are gonna be like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. The forerunner anointing this come upon your life. Everybody, oh, I wanna be a forerunner. No, you don't. Not when you, figure out, not when you figure out what comes with that, with that mantle, so to speak, if I can even use that, that verbiage. This spoke of John's ministry, but like I said, it still applies to us today. So in verse three, this is what I wanna hone in on tonight. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Voice, one, wilderness. Three words. Voice of one crying in the wilderness. The Lord takes John into the wilderness. He was born, I, 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 I don't have time to get into all the details of John the Baptist's, his, uh, his whole lifestyle. He could have been in the priestly ministry because his father Zacharias was, he could have aided the table of the priest. He could have partook and been in luxury. But guess what? John chose to walk away. The Lord pulled him out into the wilderness where he, he wore, uh, he wore the, 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 uh, the, the rough clothes and the scripture talks about that and he ate locusts and wild honey. What a diet, as opposed to what you could have ate in the temple, which the priests were well taken care of. They were fattened up pretty well. But he chose to pull away. God takes him into the wilderness to develop, nurture, and prepare his voice or his message, the voice of one, the message of John. You know, he only had one message. What was it? Prepare ye the way. Prepare the way. That was his message. In other words, for us, we have to go into the wilderness to get a voice. Now, let me be very clear. The wilderness is a season. It is not a lifestyle. John the Baptist eventually came out of it. The children of Israel eventually came out of it. I've heard all these people, that they have different focuses about the wilderness, but the wilderness is for a season. It is a teaching season. It's when God himself leads you into it because he has to strip off every other voice. He has to strip off everything that would hold you back from becoming all that you need, need, he needs you to be. The problem is is so many people walk out of the wilderness before their time is ready. God said, I didn't call you to walk out. It's, you've, you've got to stay in it. I'm not going to use another word tonight. I said I wouldn't use another word pro process. I'm not going to use it. You know, I preach about it often, but I just can't help it. It's like a, a, a bad car wreck. I have to, uh, or uh, seeing a car wreck, you have to look, you know, you have to talk about it just briefly. But in other words, it's the wilderness. It's the place where God begins to form a genuine, authentic voice and not an echo of another voice. Some people... And I, let me just relay this to, to ministry. Some people may go to seminary. I, I, I did that for, uh, for, for three years, went into seminary school online and, and, and studied and just, just to really further and advance and expand my capacity in any way that God could use me in that. But I can't get my voice from that. My voice doesn't come from that. My voice comes whenever the Lord begins to pull me away from the rest of everybody else and everything else. I'm getting ahead of myself and I don't want to, but this is where God produces a legitimate voice in you. Not an echo of a Bill Johnson, not an echo of a Damon Thompson, not an echo of a Joyce Meyer, not an echo of whatever, whoever your favorite, whoever it is, uh, not an echo of a, of a famous businessman, but he specifically pulls you back 
and, and, and sections you off and you'll rebuke everybody and everything. Well, I rebuke the devil for this season that I'm in. I rebuke this for the, you know, the desert is lonely. It's dry. It's, it gets extremely cold at night. It gets extremely hot during the day. Great conditions, Right? And some of us are cursing the wilderness season that God has us in. But when it's finished, it's okay. God will let you have it. He'll let you, he'll let you curse it. Go ahead. Get it all out of your system, you know. I'm sorry. I was wanting to say some stuff, but I can't. Because I've been there sometimes recently. But it will produce a voice like any other that's ever been heard. It will. And it'll produce an anointing because you get crushed, you, you're confined, you can't go very far, you can't do what you wanna do. Well, first off, enjoy that in the kingdom because that's called submission. When you submit, you, you can't be commissioned with God until you're under submission to God, right? You're linked to him. I know it's God that does all this stuff, but he chooses to flow through you, right? It's the wilderness. It's an exciting place to be where God, God changed me, okay. Wilderness. When am I coming out? I don't know. That's dependent upon you. There's a time. John the Baptist is in the wilderness until it's time. I don't know what that means. That's just what the scripture says. But when he comes out, everybody in that region begins to come and listen. They gather. The religious sect, the, the prostitutes, the lawyers, all of those from all different sorts and types and backgrounds, and he preaches. A prophet that, that I know of never prophesied, but he just said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he did kind of use some other verbiage when he talked to the Pharisees, called them a brood of vipers. But outside of that, the greatest prophet to have ever lived. But the wilderness forms a voice inside of him. To produce a voice requires the solitude and forsakenness of the wilderness. You get rejected. People that you thought were maybe your friends to you. No, that's not directed at anybody or anything. I'm just saying, because it's a place where only God can eliminate every other facet to where he can speak directly to you. Y'all, I'm telling you, this is preparing the way for the glory of the Lord. Do you want glory? Do you want it? I'm serious. There's a price to pay for the glory of the Lord. Every generation that has gone before us. I remember reading in the book of Hebrews one time, and it was the hall of faith, and it was talking about all of these great men and women, all of these great men and women that wanted to see what we see, never got to see it, but they were faithful to the end. And I, I just begin to weep and think about, God, all of these people that blazed the trail, the Abraham, the Moses, the Esthers, all of them that never got to see the Messiah or experience what we experience on this side of the cross, they were faithful in their wilderness seasons. The whole nation's getting ready to be killed in Israel. Wicked Haman, before the king is wanting to wipe out the whole nation. And Mordecai comes into Esther and he says, you know, you have favor with the king. She said, okay, I got it. I'll fast for three days, complete fast, no water, no food. And according to their standard, if you 
approached the kingly court without him lifting his scepter. He had to lift his scepter before you could come. If you didn't, he could behead you. She walks in after three days of fasting and he doesn't even, he sees her and he begins to welcome in. They had the conversation. Well, guess what? Because of her walking through that stint of three days of, I could possibly die if the king doesn't lift his scepter to me. Three days of fasting, she walks in, he lifts his scepter and we know the rest of the story, it turned. So the fasting turned a political scene in just a split moment. Three days of fasting. I'm just telling you, in your wilderness season, as you begin to pull away, you begin to pray, you begin to fast, God begins to give you a legitimate voice so that when you come out, what could God do through you? What could God do through this church if the people of God got serious and said, God, we want your glory and we're willing to pay a price? The Lord wants to give you a voice for your generation, for your family, for your city, for your coworkers, for our region. He wants to give you specifically a voice. And that voice is a message. Whether it's heard or whether it's just seen, God wants to give you a message. We have to prepare the way of the Lord. But before we can actually see his glory, we've got to become a voice of one crying in the wilderness. It can sound a bit incredible and sensational to be a voice with a message that prepares God's people for glory because that's what John the Baptist did. And that's what we look out through history, history and we can see the Catherine Kuhlman and the Amy Simple McPhersons, and we can see throughout history those that were willing to, to pray and to seek God. And we, we see, if I could say it this way, we see, say it this way, we see their IG account, their Instagram account, where we see the highlights of their lives, but we don't know those wilderness seasons that they had to walk through. The pain, the dullness and moments of their prayer lives when nothing was stirring, nothing was moving, but yet they were still faithful. We just read about the highlights. We see the flashes and we see the Insta stories of their life, newsreel clips and things of that nature. But we don't know the price that was paid behind closed doors when nobody else was watching. I was listening to, uh, uh, I think it was James Maloney. He went to, I think he passed away, but he went to a Catherine Coleman meeting and, and he said that he wanted to see what really went on after the meeting, after Catherine Coleman finished her, her ministry moments on the stage where she would, the, God, the Lord would heal so many people in those days. Anybody ever heard of Catherine Coleman? Just want to show of hands. I see hands going. Okay. If you don't, you need to look her up. She was all about being yielded to the Holy Spirit and letting him use. So anyway, but James, I think it's James Maloney. Am I right on his name? Is that his name? Prophetic guy. He just passed away recently. Anyway, all right. So he was, he was watching after everyone cleared the room and he hid behind the pipe and drape and uh, on one side of the stage and he said that the, the curtains closed and Catherine Coleman went over into the corner after everyone was out of the room. She made sure that, that she knew of that everybody was out of the room and she buried her face and the other side, the pipe and drape of the curtains, and she began to weep. Oh, God, why didn't you heal them all? Why wouldn't you touch them all? Why wouldn't they get their healing? And she began to weep, and she began to cry out to God and believe God. Because that's, that's the wilderness seasons that nobody else sees. When, when we cry out to God and we believe God for breakthroughs in specific areas of our life, and we don't see it, but the Lord is still teaching you more about his nature. You learn more about him as you pull away. It's not in the, the flashy moments, as I said, the Insta stories, so to speak, of people's lives. It's in those moments whenever everything, everybody's gone, when the music fades and all is stripped away. 
and you simply come. It's nothing more than you and the Lord. God, I'm just going to bring you a song. I don't feel your presence. I don't see anything stirring. I don't feel anything. I'm a feeler. I don't feel anything, but I'm going to declare what your word says. You've never left me. You're here. You're in the secret place with me right now. That's where God begins to form a voice in you. A voice of, you, you start spiritually maturing. And then when bad things happen, you don't automatically start blaming God, but you sit back. You're not saying that you don't have the conversations with him. I don't know why I'm spending a lot of time in this, but you, you, don't, you, you don't start pointing and shaking your fist at God and saying, why, why, why? Yes, we have those moments. But then you say, God, I know that's not your nature for this, the way that it's happened. It's your will that all should be healed. Why they don't, I don't understand. But God, I'm coming back to you once again. I'm your child. Your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. You're the infinite God. I'm a finite human being. I know my place and I'm a son and I come to bow before you once again. Touch me, God. Teach me your ways. Show me now your way that I would know you more and find favor in your sight, the Moses prayer. He's called you to be a mouthpiece of his heart for the end time bride. We are in end times. I don't care what anybody would think or what anybody would say, we are in, in the end times. We are experiencing things that I believe that is beginning to rapidly speed up. Uh, uh, just, again, just look around. If you're blinded to this, where have you been? <laughs> but to carry the voice that God gives you and garner it will require an unusual degree of consecration to God's purposes as he takes you through the wilderness. The wilderness by definition, here you go. It's a place where few people dwell. So if you're looking for neighbors, you'll have to look for a long time before you find one. Primarily because the conditions are not conducive to everyday lifestyles of most people. Thus it is a place of aloneness, of imposed confinement, personal inconvenience, social, ostracization, social ostracization, that's a hard word to say, of unfriendly surroundings. It is the place, one meeting ground of profound spiritual formation. This is where God gives a man or a woman a message that is formed from his life rather from their library. It's one that the Lord pulls specifically out of your story, what's happened in your life, and begins to preach it to those around you. John the Baptist, Elijah, Job, Naomi, Esther, David, Paul, None of these had mentors, and you must do the wilderness by yourself. It is the voice of one, nobody else but you and the Lord. Does it sound very desperate? I look at this and I think to myself, it's moments and seasons when I have times that I'll call pastors, friends of mine, and have conversations with them, but ultimately I know deep down in my heart there's nothing they can do to help me. We can have conversations, I can pour out my complaints to them, I can pour out my heart to them, but ultimately it's me and the Lord. Same with you. There's these seasons that you come into, I can sit down, we can have conversation, I can pray, you can pray, we can pray, we can believe, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's you and the Lord. You gotta walk it out by yourself. You've got to face the emotions of it. You've got to face the rejection. You've got to face being ostracized for certain things that you carry and value and believe. You've got to face things that, 
that nobody else is going to get to face. Maybe they faced them, but in their context, but it's different in yours, right? That's the wilderness. You don't stay there. That's the good news, by the way. Let me just bring that back up. You don't remain in the wilderness. It's only but for a season. He, God designs the wilderness in such a way that nobody can mentor you through it. Nobody has answers for the unique dryness of it. We're on our own. And those who were given a voice to a generation and listen, don't live beyond it or don't live beneath it. The problem a lot of times in God's kingdom is the children of God live beneath their calling and therefore we don't see the impact because we live beneath the calling as a daughter in the kingdom or as a son in the kingdom, knowing that we have real, real access to power and authority to speak and declare, to bind and to loose, to pray and to see things shift and to see things happen. Let's not be silent in our generation. Think about that for just a moment. In you, I don't care if you're a, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a stay-at-home dad, you work at a, a factory, wherever you work at, ministry or whatever it is. Don't be silent in this generation. Let the Lord take you into the wilderness and produce a voice of one and when you come out, you've learned how to be one with him, just as Jesus prayed, Father, I pray that they would see my glory. They would be one as you and I are one. You become one with him. You're not by yourself, mind you. You, you unify with the heart of Jesus when you come out of the wilderness and you're releasing a message that is so profound. It's so powerful. It's not that you fasted enough or you prayed enough. You've just learned how to lay yourself down at his feet and say, here am I, send me, use me. I'm available. It's not my ability, but I'm available. Use me. For God to give you a voice, he must snuff out all other voices. There's a time for study, reading, gleaning from many voices. But when the time comes, the books are put away and a man or a woman meets alone with the Lord. And God begins to speak to them with his word and his spirit. It's why the wilderness can be one that's painful, be a painful place. It does say the voice of one crying <laughs> in the wilderness. I mean, you've ever cried before the Lord before. Tough season, God, that we're, we're in. Not just now, I'm just saying in general. Different things. It's painful. It's long, it's arduous, it's lonely. It's the crucible of the wilderness with its attending tears that a cry is birthed deep within the heart that no amount of resistance or distress can snuff out. I think about it with the Pharisees when they came to John and began to, to, to berate him and talk down to him. Are you the one? He said, no, I'm not. He knew who he was he could have simply taken the nation for himself. Did you know that? John the Baptist could have come out of the wilderness because they came to him and said, wait a second, are you the one we're supposed to look for or is there another? He said, no, I'm not. John could have at that moment said, yes, I am the one. And he could have taken them all for himself. I am the Messiah. But because of the wilderness, the Lord worked him over in the wilderness season, gave him a voice began to put boldness in him, confidence in him, learning not to, relean, not to lean on the praises of many because what is the saying we say often around here? If you live by the praises of people, you're gonna die by their criticisms. 
So John knew how to kill the voice of praise of man. He knew how to kill the fear of man. And it was killed in the wilderness so that when he came out and the opportunity came to take the bride for himself, he said, no, I'm not the one. The one that's coming after me, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I'm not even worthy to bend over and latch at his shoes. He knew who he wasn't, but it was only found through the wilderness season. Demetri, if you would. What the Lord is wanting to do, and I'll preach and go in more depth on this portion of scripture. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, I'll get into prepare the way of the Lord, the highways brought low, all that stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it to, to the surface and to the light next week. But the Lord is speaking to a people, prepare the way for the glory of God to come. It's his world, his reality that begins to break through. And just by definition, if I could say it, the glory that I'm referring to is the invasion of God's reality. Because it's been prophesied, it's been spoken about that there is a revival that's coming. There is a massive revival that's coming to the church, the capital C church. And it's my job and it's my heart and my passion that this local congregation doesn't miss it. I believe that it's not just gonna be revival, I believe it's gonna be glory because he's looking to fill the earth with his glory. He's looking for his reality to break through upon this earth and smother it just completely. And it's only carried by the people of God, glory carriers, if you will. And I wanna carry it. I, I, don't, I don't care who, who, who it is that, that I lose, who it is that, that I gain. I, I don't care. I'm gonna live like this. God, just give me your glory. Let your world break into mine right now. I pray for the power and the kingdom of God to come, not for some, so I can lay on the floor and shake or I can run or I can talk in tongues. It's so that the power will be felt everywhere that I go. When I walk outside of these doors, wherever I'm going into a restaurant, that people begin to feel the power of God. The glory of God rested on Azusa. The scripture said that there was people that would make fun of people, that they would be in, the, in that house and Many times the fire department was called because it looked like that little, I forget, the global apostolic mission, I believe it was what it was called. Um, but it looked like it was on fire because the glory of the Lord had come. And people would mock those inside being touched by the power of God. And some said that many of them that would be mocking would all of a sudden get slain in the spirit, begin to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues in the floor or on the ground out in the street. The movement that happened at Azusa was so amazing. It was God reigniting Pentecost in the nation. And from that place, the fivefold ministry was sent back all over the nation again. Missionaries were sent by the thousands all over the world, right from that movement in Azusa. You know what I say? Frank Bartleman was one of them that was an intercessor for that. They said that he interceded to the point to where his wife told him, Frank, if you don't eat something, you're gonna die. But he had a passion. No, I've got a vision for what God wants to do here. And I'm gonna continue to intercede that God would wipe away the color line between the blacks and the whites and the Asians and the Hispanics in this community. And God's gonna pour out his spirit. And sure enough, Frank Bartleman that nobody hears about, but William Seymour, everybody hears about, Frank Bartleman fasted and prayed and interceded to the glory of God touched Azusa and it affected the rest of our, many of the denominations that you see, especially Pentecostal denominations, all came from Azusa Street right over there. 
and a California, I say right over there, Southern, Southern California, from right there. But it's all because people begin to unify and say, oh God, we need, we need a move of the Spirit. So I, when I say, God, show me your glory, I'm saying, God, show me your reality. Show me your world. Show me what it looks like. Help me to fix my eyes upon things above, not on things of the earth. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm reading one last portion of scripture and then I'm, I'm turning us loose. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. I'll read just a few verses. It says, it's referring to Moses, says that then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward on all of their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Here's the deal. When the glory begins to fall, we don't move unless the glory moves. We don't move unless his presence goes with us. We, I know that God's always with us, but I'm saying in direction and specifics, I don't wanna move unless he's moving. God, if you, if you say no, I'm not. I wanna be fully surrendered and submitted to this thing. And I'm looking for those, I'm prepared, I, I wanna, anybody that would buy into it to believe it, that God's gonna pour it out. I want you to lift both hands in the air right now. Come on, can we just begin to just open our hearts to him and say, God, here I am, I'm praying. You mark me tonight, God. I want the glory of the Lord. I know that it's destined to be poured out. There is an end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is beginning to stir. You're awakening your sons and daughters in dreams and in visions. There's people fasting already and we wanna join in. We wanna see the power of God. We wanna see the glory of the Lord invade the earth. We wanna see the glory of the Lord invade this house. Invade our services, invade our groups, invade our jobs. We wanna see the glory of the Lord invade God. And Lord, just like Esther did, when we saw something that was happening within the culture, she began to fast and pray and she took it to you. And guess what? You begin to flip it. Haman was impaled and destroyed and Mordecai was favored and promoted. So God, we thank you for your glory being on display, for those that would set aside and say, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna seek, I'm gonna press in because God is wanting to fill the earth with his glory. Show us your glory tonight, Jesus. Let your reality break into our world. Touch us. Come on, can you contend for a touch from the Lord tonight? Just begin to tell him, God, touch me. Touch me, Lord. Mark me tonight. Let there be a fragrance upon my life, Jesus. Help me to represent you well, to look like you. How do I make you famous? Show me your glory, God. Show me your glory, God. Mark me. Come on, for just a few, few minutes, for those of you that feel what I've been preaching about tonight, maybe you feel like that you're in that season of the wilderness where God is forming you and preparing you, or maybe you feel like God's about to lead you into it. 
Come to the altar tonight. Come and kneel. Begin to seek the heart of God and say, God, here I am. I've been in the wilderness. You've been, you've been producing a voice in me. You've been forming a voice in me. You've been preparing me. Something is coming. I feel it in my bones. God, you're about to move. And I'm not gonna miss it. My family's not gonna miss it. My children's not gonna miss it. Our, our city's not gonna miss it. Listen, I've been right here with you. I've been on my face today praying, God, touch me. Touch me. Kingdom of God, come. 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 Prepare me for your glory, God. Prepare me for your glory. Prepare me for your outpouring. It's coming, we don't know when, but God, we wanna do whatever we need to do and be ready. Father, I pray that you would release a grace upon this church to begin to fast. Release a grace upon us, God, to begin to fast, to push away meals, to push away media, to push away whatever we need to push away. It's a time to fast and it's a time to pray. Oh, touch me, God. Come on, hang in here tonight. The Lord touch you. The Lord touch you. Don't walk away from the altar the same way you approached it. Come to the altar and let something die tonight here on this altar. You know, that's what altars are for, right? Something has to die. What is it in me, God, that needs to die on this altar tonight? A mindset. Lord, forgive us for curses that we've spoken out of our mouth that we don't even know. We repent for our way. We don't want to repent enough just to be saved. We want to repent enough to see the kingdom come. Change the way we think tonight. Power, power. Release the power of the Lord. Forgive us for becoming familiar with a God that we barely know. There's so much more to you, God, we don't understand. But to what you will lift the veil and let us see, we ask for. Spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation, enlighten their heart tonight, God. Hearts reignite right now in Jesus' name. I pray that the Lord would fan into flame the white hot coals. They were once a burning fire, but no longer burn, but God is fanning it back into flame tonight. Kingdom of God come. Kingdom of God come. You are the voice of one crying. It's been painful in this season, whoever you are. The Lord says, just be faithful. Let me continue to work. Here's your word. It's not time to come out of the wilderness yet. I'm still forming. 
I'm still pruning. I'm still cutting. But just know I'm a God that when I cut, I also heal. I got to remove the dross so that you can be purified silver. You can be true, authentic, and real. Not an echo of some other voice, of somebody else's prayer. God's making you authentic tonight. In the presence of the Lord, God, right now, we say, God, have your way in me. Come on, tell him, say, have your way in me, God. You are a loving father, but a loving father also disciplines and he also corrects. And so God, correction is correcting the course that we're on so that we can align with your, with your promise. Put us on a crash course with the promise, God, the power of God, the glory of the Lord, revival. But in every bit of this, we long for intimacy with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.